I use defense has always been a staple under Tom Allen, but after getting carved up a big a bit against Idaho, how concerned should we be? You are locked on Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, guys? It is Tuesday, September 13th. This is Locked On Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. want to thank you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Tom Allen took over defensive play calling duties again this season uh, after a couple of years of just focusing on his head coaching duties. And while we've certainly seen his uh, fingerprints all over the defense, they did not look great against Idaho on Saturday. Uh, it's something we did not talk about on Monday's episode in the recap. If you guys want a kind of bigger picture recap um, where I tried to <laughs> attempted to explain away uh, some of the madness from Saturday. Go listen to Monday's episode. But I intentionally held off uh, the talk about the defense until today because I wanted to talk a little more in depth about it. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know I don't have the answers. If I did, I would not be podcasting uh, from my bedroom. I would be on the sideline uh, coaching defenses. So I do not have all the answers. What I can tell you is that. It, it's it was it was interesting how they played. They did not dominate like they should have, and I think that's very clear. Um, Idaho and McCoy, Giovanni McCoy, had their way in a, in a lot of different aspects. McCoy throws for three touchdowns. He broke uh, out of the pocket. He had twenty one yards on twelve carries. A lot of that was him falling on that fumble. Uh, that was the safety or a couple sacks because he had a 17-yard rush. Uh, you take away that, I think it was like a 20-yard fumble. I mean, that alone, you're at 11 rushes for 40-some-odd yards. So um, that was a, a, a redshirt freshman quarterback. And you would think heading into the matchup, redshirt freshman quarterback against a Tom Allen defense that looked as good as it did in week one, you'd give the edge to IU. Now, overall... They played well. I don't even, I was going to say they played better as the night went on. That wasn't necessarily the case because there were a couple second half drives where they did not look good. They certainly turned up the intensity with the rest of the team in that third quarter. They didn't play awful in the first half. Uh, they got gashed a bit, and, and that was kind of the tale of the night, it, that uh, it was a little bit of boomer bust. They would be able to hold them. Uh, and then they'd give up a really big play. And obviously that one 90-yard um, touchdown drive sticks out as one of them that uh, it was a 98-yard 13-play drive. I don't know the last time IU gave up a drive like that. That many plays over that many yards. For it to come against Idaho should raise some red flags. Ultimately, Idaho has 330 yards of offense. Did not have a takeaway, which is another aspect that I'm sure Tom Allen is upset with. Uh, they did do that against Illinois, and that's a trademark of Tom Allen defenses, something he spent a lot of time talking about. To not do it against Idaho is, um, again, concerning to a degree. It's really hard to figure out, and we'll kind of talk a little bit even bigger picture, 
here in the next segment. It's, it's, it's really hard to figure out how much to take away from this game. And it's one of those things where we really won't know until we get three, four weeks down the line and we'll say, oh yeah, that Idaho game, it raised a lot of flags that eventually IU struggled with. Like maybe in three or four weeks, once we're in Big Ten play, the defense is really struggling. And we'll look back to that Idaho game and go, yeah, they they really, you could see it there. That, that was kind of the blueprint. Maybe in three, four weeks' time, IU's defense looks like they did largely against Illinois, especially in that fourth quarter. And you say, man, that was just that weird blip in the in the season where Idaho kind of carved IU up a little bit. I it, It's hard to tell. I do think there were some positives. There were some really big positives from the night. Um, again, especially early on and for 90% of the first half, they were really, really good. Um, I mean, 330 of their yard or they have 330 yards and 98 of them come on one drive. I know it's not as simple as saying, take away that one drive. And, uh, because I, you did get gash and that drive did happen. But outside of that, you're looking at 232 yards on the entire night, which if, if Idaho comes away with 232 yards in that game, you feel a lot better and seven less points on that long drive. Um, you feel a lot better. So you can't take things out like that and isolate certain things and say, well, that doesn't matter because there were a couple times where guys got open down the middle. There's some concern. I would say some, some concerns. I will very much use this word about the safety position. Devon Matthews, it sounded like he was banged up during fall camp. I think Josh Sanguinetti has been better. Uh, we'll see if there's, if they eventually switch things there, but there's some concerns in the safety position. There's a lot of passes down the middle that were wide open um, that McCoy overthrew at least one of them I can remember. And he completed one of them. So it it's just one of those things. Again, there were some red flags raised. I don't have the answers. I'm not really sure what to make of the defense, but it bears discussing. Now, if you got into, if you're going to discuss the defense from Saturday, I, you, we have to talk at least a little bit about Deshaun McCullough, who, broke out in a big way in that one. We mentioned him in Monday's show. He was one of the players of the week. It, it's incredible what he is already doing two weeks into the season. And he's being used in a lot of different ways, which is a, what a, something I think is a testament to how good he is in, in a single sequence. And again, I don't want to repeat myself too much from, from yesterday's episode, but there was a single series where he lined up on the line as kind of a defensive end a little bit. Um, he got a tackle, might have been for a loss. It was right at the line of scrimmage. He lines up at the bull position. And then on third down, he lines up at the linebacker position, spying the quarterback and eventually gets a hurry uh, to force an incompletion, all within the same series. They are trusting him to do a lot of things. And... So far, again, it is Idaho, but so far through two weeks, he looks really good. And, and I really think uh, I, you might really have something special. We talked about it with John Garcia, our recruiting director, uh, our recruiting analyst, I should say, with Locked On during the summer. He was really high on Deshaun McCullough. 
you can see why, because he's a special talent, can play all over the field, a little bit of a Swiss army knife of sorts. I use deploying him all over the place and, and it's really working. He's a really dynamic option. Now, one thing, mini rant before we head to uh, a bigger picture discussion, stop talking about what the future is going to be for him. Cause I saw it in my mentions. I saw it in my timeline on Saturday night, that third quarter, people talking about, man, this is really cool. Hope he doesn't transfer away. Why? <laughs> Why don't do that? Enjoy the next 10 games of him. If he was going to leave and I'm not going to make any guarantees that he's going to stay, but this is a guy who watched his dad go to Notre Dame, watch his uh, younger brother decommit and commit elsewhere, watched his older brother, be forced to medically retire and he's still here like he believes in IU to a, a, a certain degree and a notable degree he talked about that that there was never really a thought about him leaving because he likes what Tom Allen has built here don't talk about what what's going to happen to him like it, it'll be a discussion point I'm not saying it it's not something that won't happen um as long as his dad's at Notre Dame, it's going to kind of hover there. But he's not going to do it in the middle of the season. He's really, really good. He's putting together uh, the beginning pieces of what could potentially be an all-Big Ten freshman season. Enjoy it. Watch him blossom into something really awesome because he is a ton of fun to watch. No more talking about where he, if he'll transfer, hope he stays. Get that out. Get get that out for the rest of the season. We'll discuss it in the offseason if, if something comes about it for now. We have a really special young talent that is making a really big impact right away. And he looks really like he could become really, really, really good. That's a lot of fun to watch. Let's go big picture, as I said, and kind of discuss, should we be worried about IU? It was a disappointing performance. What do we make of that? Is this a team with a, a hard ceiling or was it a, again, kind of a blip on the radar? Before we dive into that, from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts right now. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. Earnestly use this on Sunday. Went to the gas station, uh, pulled out my phone, clicked on the Upside app, uh, claimed the offer at the gas station I was at, paid as usual, and I got a notification on Monday evening that I had money added to my wallet, that I had earned a certain amount of money through Upside. So to get started, download the free Upside app, use my promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Uh, like I said, you, you claim an offer at whatever you're buying, whether it's gas uh, food, groceries, whatever it is, check in at the business, pay as usual. Nothing about that changes. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside app. Use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of at least $10 using promo code LOCKED. So what do we make about IU? No showing for half the game. 
uh, and then putting up a dominant performance in the second half. Is that a sign of a team that isn't very good? Is that the sign of a team that overlooked Idaho? Um, I, I, I think I lean more towards the latter. One interesting point, I listened to Zach Osterman, Dustin DePirac, their podcast on Monday. An interesting point that they mentioned I had not thought of is discussing when the last time IU had a win as emotional as the one they had against Illinois in week one. It, at home, in front of fans. All those caveats. I know I put a break in there. So a home win, emotional home win, in front of fans. Because 2020 happened. There was a lot of big emotional wins, closed doors. And nobody was there to cheer IU on. They didn't get all that rush of emotion. 2019, I know, was a, a successful season. All the home wins that season were blowouts and not really notable wins, not really emotional wins. You could go back to 2018. They beat Virginia 20-16. to They beat Maryland 34-32. to That was a game against Maryland where uh, IU almost collapsed more than anything. I wouldn't consider that really emotional. Uh, maybe that Virginia game... Um, Again, I don't know that I would file that under emotional. One that I certainly would is 2016 against Michigan State, that overtime game where uh, fans were on the field. It could be as far back as then. And I, I make that point to to discuss that it's human nature to experience those emotions and, and kind of overlook Idaho a little bit. If there was one team on the schedule IU could overlook this season, it was going to be Idaho. Um, that was the only one. And considering the nature that they won against Illinois, um, again, it's it's just human nature. Uh, Tom Allen yelled his voice out, literally, apparently last week, uh, during practice on Tuesday or Wednesday because he was trying to avoid IU overlooking Idaho he did his damnedest and maybe that's another red flag that he did everything he could. Now you still did it. But I think there are a lot of very legitimate things you could say that led to IU struggling on Saturday night. The rain was a factor. We talked about that. Uh, Connor Bazelak did not look like the same quarterback in the uh, first half as he did in the second half. <laughs> if the rain's going to make that much of an impact, you got to, I mean, that's another concern within and of itself. If, if every time there's inclement weather, IU is going to become as bad as they were on Saturday, then that is very concerning. And you better be doing a whatever the opposite of a rain dance is uh, before every IU game to ensure that it is dry weather. But I do think that, I mean, it was a monsoon for good chunks of that first half. Wet ball, Bazelak missing open throws that he made later in the night, not just the week before. Um we talked a lot about it. There were stumbles. A.J. Bonner probably had a, a big completion, maybe a touchdown, and he kind of stumbles out of his break and misses a catch. Um, little things here and there that, that piled up. A lot of little things led to a big, bad result in that first half. Now, you would hope that against Idaho, you wouldn't have all those little things adding up to a big, bad result, but... Um, I mean, that, that's just kind of the way it played out. You would have hoped for kind of a complete 60-minute performance, 
And ultimately, I mean, the good news is IU got it together and did do that in the second half where they they cruised, uh, if we're being honest. It didn't really feel in doubt. Idaho did enough to keep IU aware, but uh, I never was really worried about the result, even as Idaho was scoring. So it's one of those things where, again, this is a cop-out answer in some ways, but we're not going to really know this answer until later on in the season. This is either going to be a game we're going to look back and say, yeah, things weren't right, and that is why. Or a game we'll say, IU overlooked them. They came off an emotional win, but they they got the victory. Look at across college football last weekend. There were a lot of teams that did not hang on or come back and win their games against inferior opponents. Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Nebraska. um, There were lots of, of examples Appalachian State picks up that win at, at uh, Texas A&M. So it, it happened across college football. It was just kind of one of those wonky weeks. Um, IU was able to, to respond and come back and win the game. That's a positive. We'll see what it means moving forward. You can just look back to last season where IU had a wonky game against Idaho where the score really did not kind of show what the performance was for Indiana. And ultimately, we look back and say, yeah, I mean, the offense didn't really get going, and that was a problem all season, so on and so forth. So it's hard to really tell. I think these there's a lot of things that could happen. It's going to be how IU responds moving forward with this, uh, that they could make this a blip in the radar if they respond, use the lessons they learned in that first half to make sure it does not happen again. Let's talk about Connor Bazelak and Jack Tuttle, because again, a little bit of a rant I want to go on here, uh, especially after what I saw after that first half on Saturday. So I was as frustrated, as annoyed, as disgusted as anybody after that first half in the moment on Saturday. I mentioned on Monday's show, I went back and watched it. I don't feel feel nearly as bad or, or uh, pessimistic about things after watching the, the first half back maybe removing emotion from it and knowing that ultimately things were going to get better. You could see some of the, it didn't feel as doom and gloom uh, watching that. One thing I, I'm i kind of over, if we're being honest, is the calls to bench Bazelak for Jack Tuttle. Jack Tuttle is a very valuable uh, piece of this football team. He's a leader. He's someone that as soon as the season ended last season, he was in Coach Allen's office right after that Purdue game, day after the Purdue game, saying, how do we make sure this does not happen again? He's led meetings, players-only meetings, basically, with the team from back last winter through uh, the summer when coaches weren't able to to be with the team. He's the type of guy that was leading things up. He's very valuable to this team. I don't know how many times we have to see him perform on the field to realize he's not, I don't want to, this sounds harsh. He's not good enough. He's a good backup, great backup, maybe serviceable backup. If something happens, he has to come in. He could win you the game. He could hang on to the result. He's that type of guy, but we've seen time and time again, there is a hard ceiling on what he is going to be able to do. We saw it last year there. We had this discussion so many times last year. Physically, Penix wasn't right, and 
it was a discussion we had for the first couple weeks of the season of do you bring in Jack Tuttle? My stance was the same then uh, for different reasons, but we brought in Jack Tuttle and it did not look any better at all. In some ways it was worse. I don't know how many times we have to go through that for uh, for the calls to not be to bench Bazelak or bench the starter and bring in Jack Tuttle. Um, Bazelak has also done things this season. Jack Tuttle cannot and w- would not even try. There's throws Bazelak has made. Jack Tuttle can't make those throws. Um, and maybe that means there's a higher ceiling and a lower floor with Bazelak. I don't even really think that's the case. I think what we saw, hopefully what we saw the first half of Saturday was how bad things are could get, and it's only up from there. But Bazelak, there's two ways to look at it. He's underperforming this season based on kind of his career numbers. Now it is two games into the season, and I'm not making any kind of um, long-term projections here, but – He's only completed 54% of his passes. He's never been below 65%. Uh, He is struggling uh, with interceptions a bit. If his current rate keeps up, he will have it. It'll be the most interceptions of his career. At the same time, it'll be the most touchdowns of his career. It would be the most pass attempts of his career. Like he's being asked to do a lot. He's not performing quite as efficiently as he was, but there's been moments. Jack Tuttle does not lead Indiana to that game-winning drive against Illinois. Jack Tuttle does not make a good chunk of the throws that Bazelak made in the third quarter on Saturday. Maybe the ceiling or the floor isn't as low. The ceiling isn't as high. Bazelak is the guy. He won the job out. Jack Tuttle had his chance and lost. Bazelak is the guy. Stick with him. And I don't think the coaching staff is even close to debating it. But I I do not enjoy the response whenever Bazelak struggles or the starting quarterback struggles the last two seasons to be, you just need to bench him and put Jack Tuttle in. It is so much more complicated than that. There's a, a human aspect to this. If you bench Bazelak, you you're not you can't go back to him. Tom Allen said that during media day. He said whoever wins the job is the starter. Point blank simple. You can't have guys looking over their shoulder worried that they're going to get pulled because they made a bad throw. So I barring something far more drastically bad happening, Bazelak's the guy. Jack Tuttle is an important part of this team as a leader, as a backup quarterback, as a veteran. He is not a starting caliber quarterback, and we have enough evidence of that at this point. Stop asking for them to be for him to be put into the game. It's not going to solve anything. That's that for the Idaho game. We turned the page a little bit later last week, but it was a it was a lot more fun of a game to talk about. I don't want to talk about this Idaho game anymore because that was not fun to talk about. Pages turned. Uh, we will be moving forward to the Western Kentucky game. But first, tomorrow, we're going to talk IU basketball recruiting. Not with Jason, but we have some catching up to do on some guys IU has offered, uh, who they could be paying attention to in this fall recruitment period. So 
Thanks again, guys, for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow with all the basketball recruiting talk. Know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Every day, host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen, Locked On Big Ten. Follow us on Twitter if you have not already. Subscribe wherever you're listening or watching us at. I forgot to mention it earlier. Go subscribe to YouTube. If you're already here, you're already a loyal listener anyway. Head on over to YouTube. Subscribe. We want to try to get to 500 subscribers by the start of basketball. We're inching closer and closer. Uh, we're about 30 away. Let's go. Uh, let's get there. We got about a month and a half to do it. So help us out. Just subscribe real quick. It it, it really means a lot. We're going to really take off once basketball season gets here. Leave a rating and review wherever you're at, if your uh, app or wherever allows you to. Most importantly, though, guys, hope everybody listening to this has a terrific Tuesday in LEO.